Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kansas City Actors Radio Theater. I'm John Rensenhaus, and I'm going to be your host today for an episode sponsored exclusively by Eventology, LLC, a Kansas City-based, full-service event management company. Founder and CEO Donna Thomason crafts custom events alongside a team of seasoned theatrical and video professionals, offering consultation, design, and execution services to predominantly nonprofit organizations. You can get more info by writing to her at info at eventologykc.com. That's info at eventologykc.com. Okay, now we have a little different kind of experience cooked up for you today. We're going to do a play I mean, not that that's very different from what we usually do, but today's piece uh, was originally written as a one-act play for the stage, and we have just tweaked it a bit for you, our radio audience. And what's more, this play was written by a Kansas City native, a KU grad, and someone who has performed locally at the New Theater, the Coterie, the Unicorn, the KC Rep, and the Heart of America Shakespeare Festival. And what's more and more is that he's here with us right now. I'd like you all to welcome Mr. Tosin Morinfala. Hi, Tosin. Hi, John. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did do a lot of plays here in Kansas City, right? I, I did, and I loved my time there. I feel so relevant. <laughs> I feel so <laughs> relevant, and uh, and I love getting to do something, anything really that that is storytelling back home in Kansas. So this makes me happy. Yeah, Tosin. For those of you who don't, he moved on to Chicago first, and and did a lot of TV stuff there, and now uh, lives in LA and is uh, having a very successful go at. Uh, doing lots of stuff. So we wish you the best, Tosin, and I hope your career continues to skyrocket. But now the play we're doing today is called Comedians, and it's set backstage during an improv comedy performance at some dive bar. Now, are you writing from personal experience here? Have you done some stand-up comedy? Uh, I, I have. I've done a little bit of stand-up, and it's terrifying. And it's <laughs> it's it's not my favorite because it's a rather lonely road. But this play is about uh, improv comedy and the group uh, generation of organic scenes in the moment. And I love that, uh, that, that sport of storytelling because it's all about teamwork and inventiveness. So you really have to trust your teammates. And that I have a ton of experience with doing both in Kansas and Chicago, even back in college. I, I've always loved uh, uh, improv and my improv teams. And you have performed at some dive bars. Oh, many, many. <laughs> oh, it's such a glamorous life we lead. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. Okay, well, this piece is uh, focused on a particular aspect of the improv world, the, the relationship between the men and women who work in that world. Uh, what, what has been sort of motivating you to, to tell this story, to, to get it out there? Uh, well, without giving too much away, uh, I just had been thinking back to all of my experiences doing improv comedy and so much of them have been beautiful, but also I think in the world of improv, especially in Chicago where you have a lot of improv energy, uh, it was the birth of modern improv comedy in that city. You also can experience uh, kind of the politics of doing improv, the identity politics that go on while you're doing it with sometimes strangers, people um, can find ways to do microaggressions in scenes with you, or even as you're just 
trying to do teamwork with them, <laughs> they might um, undercut you or um, subtly use a scene against you in a way that they don't even realize they're doing. So I just wanted to kind of explore that very kind of nuanced dynamic. Well, oh gosh, my heart sinks because yeah, it's a brutal, it's a brutal world out there. But I think you have been very successful at at uh, exploring the nuances, as I think our listeners will will hear of of these relationships, kind of the back and forth. Yeah, I hope they take something away from it because it's searingly relevant. Well, good. And you've got Katie Carl and Justin Barron starring in your play today, so I think you're in good hands. Yeah, those. Two to literally are my dream cast. And the director, Sean Ruffin, she's incredible. Uh, so I couldn't be more grateful for that, too. Yeah, the director, Sean Ruffin. And the episode also features Amber McKinnon yes. uh, doing some uh, narration duties. So, it's it, yeah, it's an all-star thing all around. So we're very excited. Thank you for writing such a good thing. And it's great to talk to you. And we're so happy to present Kansas City Actors Theater Comedians by Tosin Morinfala. It's comedy night at a dive bar. Hey, thanks everybody. It's intermission time, so go grab a drink, and we'll be back in a few. Beyond the makeshift stage is an even more makeshift dressing room. It's hot and sticky and a little gross. The bright glow of stage lights briefly pour into the scene as Meredith and Chris leave the unseen stage and enter offstage in a rush. Awesome. Yeah, that was so fun. Oh, you were great. No, no, you were great. I know. Where are the others? They went off stage left. Mm, wonderful. Circle around back or? They can't. This isn't exactly Second City, Chris. It's a dive bar. We don't have backstage crossovers, I mean. Look at this place. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we won't get to see them before we go on for act two? Well, we'd have to cross in front of the audience. That's tacky, right? Uh, very. Okay, well, we'll just have to trust that they uh, remember to get back on stage. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's a little strange. Uh, we'll be fine. Hey, you picked the venue. I thought you planned this stuff out. I just scoped it out, Meredith. I didn't case the joint. Just made a deal with the club manager. That's fair. That's fair. I've got a lot of bookings going on in my head, okay? I know. Including my two other teams. I know. And when you're in charge of your own improv team, you'll see. Okay, it's hard enough getting people to even show up. Folks on your own team, people who are supposed to be working with you on your side, much less the people you're actually trying to do business with. I know. I'm not calling you out, Chris. I know. I know. I'm new at this, remember? Oh, I remember. <laughs> Meredith retrieves a dog-eared book from her bag and starts to flip through it. <laughs> Good job, though. For real. Thank you. Right back at you. Then reaches for a water bottle from a multi-pack on the table. Wow, these are some tiny-assed water bottles. I'm being serious, though. Good job. I am, too. Like, why would they give us these? We're not children. Obviously. Hey. I mean, is this portion control? Do they think we're going to drown? I said good job. And so many of them? You know, I am really worried about our carbon footprint right now. Just take the compliment! I am thankful. You did a very good job as well. I know that. I'm aware of that. I'm telling you because you need to hear it. Because you're new at this, remember? Right. So wait, do you not need to hear it? No. Not necessarily. Like, not during an easy show like this. Like, I know. Oh. oh you know you're funny. Yeah. Well, not just funny. More to improv than being funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know I'm doing well. How do you know? 
You can feel it. You can hear it in the audience. Oh. And I need to hear it from you because I can't feel it. I can't hear it. Well, not yet. You're new at this. That's fair. Meredith gulps down her water bottle. Okay. Fifteen minutes till Act 2 starts. Hope one of those other guys sets a timer. (laughs) One time I did an improv show. Uh... Early 2000s, I think. Uh, pre-cell phone, and, and, and no one had a watch. Uh, one dude had a pocket watch, but no timer. So we missed but our I, entrance. But I, I felt like I could feel it. I felt like I felt like I could hear in the audience that I was good, and they were with me, and I felt funny. All right. You can hear it then. You were good, okay? You were good. Thank you. And so were you. Fine. <laughs> You're welcome. Meredith returns to her book. Chris grabs a tiny water bottle for himself. So, to review, we go back in with our Mondo-style monologue, then freeform the Herald, and end with freeze tag. Oh, uh, you can do the monologue. Remember, it's just, uh, it's honest, real life, personal, short story, no big deal. Just get a suggestion from the audience, start talking. I'm good. I don't need to do the monologue. Just give it to one of the guys. Mm, I think you'd be good there, though. Yes, but I... Yes, and? (laughs) Yes, and I agree that I'd be good, but so would someone else. You do it. What, you got stage fright all of a sudden? Wow, no, uh, why don't you do it? I'd rather not. Why? It's not for me. What does that mean? I like to wait till we get to the scenes till I jump in. But why? I shine there. If you must know, I flourish. I succeed. I'm funny. Oh. Know your strengths. That's fair. Ooh, but genocide isn't. What? Not everything's fair. You say a lot of things are fair a lot. Chris starts tossing his water bottle, playing catch with himself. Meredith closes her book and watches him. So you don't think I flourish in scenes? I didn't say that. Not as much as I'd flourish in a dry monologue? I didn't say that. Just not as much as you flourish in scenes. Well. You don't think I'm funny. What? (laughs) Earlier you said, no, no, you admitted, because that's what it felt like. It felt like you were admitting to a crime. You admitted that I was good. You were good. I told you that freely. Under duress. The only duress was getting you to accept the compliment. And then I told you I felt like I was funny, and... What did you say? I said you were good. What? But you didn't say I was funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Why didn't you say that I was funny? It's funny how neurotic you're being. (laughs) Chris, why can't you tell me I'm funny? (laughs) Do you really want to get into this right now? What? What's to get into? Was it something you could hear or... Something you felt in the audience, or is this just pride? Chris stops tossing the water bottle and puts it down. (sighs) Meredith, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to like hearing, but it's the truth. That I'm not funny? it's It's not that you're not. Women aren't funny.
women aren't funny. They, 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 they say funny things sometimes, like, like here and there. They can be clever and have good banter. And sure, they, they can be hella smart and fast, so, so they're witty, but not, like, really funny. You are kidding me, right? Forget about it. No! No, 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 no. No, please, tell me more. Look, we only have ten minutes. Let's, let's talk about this later. No! No, let's talk about it now. I am intrigued. Tell me more. What, are you patronizing me now? Are you patronizing me now? Let me retract that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, women, by and large, <laughs> except for maybe the very large, <laughs> just aren't funny. Yes, and... Yes, and I know this from empirical evidence. Hell, a lifetime of evidence. You've never met a funny woman. Ever. It's not that. It's it's not like a woman has never inspired me to laugh. Plenty have inspired me to laugh. You've inspired a laugh out of me. But that, that's not... That's not what it means to be funny. Like... When you make a joke, I I frequently choose to laugh. But but when <laughs> when Spencer <laughs> Spencer when Spencer makes a joke <laughs> like the drag joke he made in the second scene tonight, <laughs> it's innately funny. I, I I didn't I didn't choose. He just <laughs> he just made me laugh. <laughs> uh, and I never make you laugh. <laughs> well. It, it's not the same. Spencer came into the scene acting like a stereotypical ditzy girl. He was chewing gum and swinging his hips, and I think he was even putting lipstick on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when he finally spoke, all he said was, hey there, handsome. But he said it like, hey there, handsome. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was hilarious. Deflated expectations. God, you expect one thing, you get another. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I made the same joke last week in practice. When I came in like a bow-legged cowboy, spit some tobacco, and then with a lisp I said, Hey, I think I forgot to clothe my tab. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that. And you didn't think that was funny? Yeah, well... Come on! It's the same joke! Oh, uh, it's not the same. Look, Meredith... This is just something you're going to have to learn about comedy, all right? Women are... Not funny? Women are not the same. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, wow e zow e. Oh. Chris, truly, truly nothing gets past you. But they are equally valid. Just not equally funny. She returns to her book, slams it open, and flips pages. But that doesn't make you any less valid. And this is important. Not everyone can be the funny one. The the clown character. Who's going to anchor the scene? Who's going to keep us grounded in some sort of reality so we're not just entertaining ourselves without any rhyme or reason to it? You're the, the, the base to our acidic pH. You're the electron to our, our crazy-ass protons. <laughs> this isn't funny to me. Well, they're not zingers. I'm just, I'm trying to lighten the mood. You want me to be the resident straight man? You're good at it. You'd be good at it. That's why you wanted me to do the monologue. Well, you're charming, too. There's no pressure 
to be funny in the monologue. And you're not half bad to look at. That is not what I signed up for. Well, there were other applicants, you know. I thought we were a team. Yes, and in all teams, you become relegated to the position which best serves the team. This is your position. Quit trying to, to play wide receiver when you're a linebacker. You can't make all the shots. But my problem is, is that you're saying that I can't make any of the shots. Yeah, well, that's why you're on defense. <laughs> Look, these are the facts of the case. Women are groomed differently than men. Can we agree on that? You can call me sexist, but the fact still remains, women are raised to be pretty, maternal, homemakers, okay? Just like you're not genetically predisposed to be strong, you're also not culturally motivated to be funny. You're indoctrinated to be docile and, and respectful and sexy and sane. But I don't want to be sane! I'm on stage! I, I don't get up on stage to be normal. I can do that in real life. I got up on the stage to be funny. To be insanely funny. Well, my dear, that you will never be. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I take back everything I've said today. That was hilarious. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry, that was... Sorry for slapping you. Meredith cracks open the door to outside and breathes in the cold air as Chris rumps his bruised jaw. Do you think I'm the only person who thinks like this? Oh, God, I hope so. There is a whole culture of comedians that think like this, even if we don't say it. I call bull. Look, I didn't make this up. These are not new thoughts. Listen, Meredith, you can look at me as the bad guy. Oh, I'm looking at you. If that makes you feel better, but the fact still remains, it's not me you're fighting. It's the, the whole world of entertainment you're up against. Yeah, I, I, and that includes the audience. <laughs> and that includes the women in the audience. Yeah, them too. They see you and have a little joke to themselves. It's not a knee slapper, but it's still deflated expectations. Because inside, they hope you'll be funny, but not only do they realize that the men around them don't expect you to be, and also only see you as eye candy, they also realize that they themselves don't expect you to be. And then when you are funny, they'll cut their laughter short by their very own need to be docile and respectful, sexy and sane. It's a cycle of self-disappointment. No. No. Meredith retrieves her book and flips determinedly through the pages. Here, I want you to read something. Honestly, I have no desire to read your Raggedy Ass Comedy 101 book. Dude, you're the Raggedy Ass! Wow! Ooh, ouchies! You're gonna need some better quips if you want to prove me wrong out there. Mother. Ooh, and you can't curse. You can't go blue. We're better than that. I'm better than this. Oh, yeah? Yeah! Women are funny! And I don't have to defend that to you or to anyone, okay? And I don't care how backwards society is, and I don't care how biased the world of entertainment is. Your facts are opinions. And, and, and you wouldn't even say all this if you didn't know deep down that it is nonsense. And you wouldn't say all of this if you actually believed it. Because you wouldn't point out the 
the societal stigmas if you didn't know that all of those roadblocks are fabricated by you, by men like you. You know better. You have to know better. Women are funny. And if they aren't allowed to be funny here, then maybe I'll find a team where they are. Oh, damn. But, but if you're saying. I am saying. That there is this, this mountain. There is, no matter where you go. Of disbelievers. And I have been to the mountaintop. Okay, then someone has to preach. Not everything's fair. But after hearing your sermon, it sounds like the congregation's already made up their mind. I'm going to hell. (laughs) Don't be so dramatic. Although that was a good metaphor. Look, we're here to make people laugh. It's not life and death. Why are you even telling me this now? You asked? That doesn't make you not an ass. You still are. Oh, I know. I, I have predicated my career on that. Damn it. How am I supposed to feel not handicapped out there now? Can you breakdance? If you don't stop the sarcasm, I'm going to kick you in the chest. Chris picks up his water bottle again. He twists it open and offers it to her. Well, you know what I think you should do. Stay in your lane. Play your part. You provide a service. Stay the course. That sounds a lot like defeat. And you sound like a complete jerk. Well, people like jerks. They think we're funny. Chris rescinds the offer and drinks his water in one gulp. Oh, (laughs) all right. Looks like it's time to get back out. Come on, let's go. You coming? What do you say? Be my straight man? Meredith stares at him for a long moment before it finally dawns on her. She grabs her book flips to a page, and then shoves it into Chris's hands. Read it. Uh, Right right here? Yeah. Don't waste your energy trying to educate or change opinions. Go over, under, through, and opinions will change organically when you're the boss. Or they won't. Who cares? Do your thing and don't care if they like it. He glances at the book's cover. Bossy pants. Mmm. Yeah, I was uh, never a Tina Fey fan. And drops it carelessly to the floor. But Meredith isn't offended. Instead, her gaze fixes on Chris as she finds her stance. I'm not going out there to be boring or to be a chump or to get walked on by other improvisers and then get walked on by the audience. I won't do that. Then what are you going to do? Well, uh, hey, I got to go start the second act. So if I see you out there, awesome. And if not, um, well, uh, it was good while it lasted. He stops at the curtain separating them from the stage and the audience and turns to raise an eyebrow at Meredith. She meets his gaze 
silence. And then... Hello, hello, hello! Welcome back to our show. It's time for the second act, and uh, most of us have decided to come back. <laughs> uh, we took a quick break and a short jog, and uh, now uh, uh, I, I am going to do the monologue. And for that, I need a suggestion from the audience. So, how, uh, ooh, how about you right there with the eyes? Yeah. Oh, nope, not you, sir. <laughs> Meredith retrieves her book from the floor and places it thoughtfully back into her bag. She looks toward the stage. <laughs> then she looks the other way, toward the exit that will lead her out of here entirely. She stands there for a moment, considering. She walks somberly toward that exit door, still ajar, and places a hand on the cold metal handle, listening to the city outside and the wind. Then she tugs gently. Over, under, through. She returns to the curtain, and then Meredith makes her entrance. That was Comedians by Tosin Morinfala, starring Katie Carl as Meredith and Justin Barron as Chris, with Amber McKinnon as the narrator. This episode was directed by Sean Ruffin, and the sound supervision was by Mary Robinson. It was produced in conjunction with the UMKC Theater Department. Kansas City Actors Radio Theater is made possible by support from donors like you. Our program sponsors are the Estelle S. and Robert A. Long Ellis Foundation, the Muriel McBride Kaufman Foundation, the Richard J. Stern Foundation for the Arts, the Miller Nichols Charitable Foundation, Theater League, Arts KC, the Missouri Arts Council, and a very special thanks to Mark and Valerie Andrus. Our exclusive sponsor for this episode is Eventology, LLC, where founder and CEO Donna Thomason's years as an actor help her to craft custom events that allow audiences to feel an organization's mission from the inside out. More info at info at eventologykc.com. That's info at eventologykc.com. This is from a fan in Michigan. Uh, Thanks for being such an inspiration to young w women. You're my hero. If you had one word of advice for aspiring 20-something female writers and entrepreneurs, what would it be? Uh, gosh, I, I, I think my advice would be to trust your uh, gut, to trust your gut creatively mm -hmm. um, and in any kind of workplace situation. Because the few times I look back on anything that I've like, oh, I wish I'd done this differently. It's what I had a, yeah, a, a reaction sense to it that I didn't follow up on. Prefacing your work with any kind of apology. You know, um, I have friends, like I have a friend who's writing a pilot right now, and I have another friend who was going to be working with her, and I said, well, here's uh, her deal. She's going to, this is her routine. She'll say for 30 seconds, like, I don't know. I don't think, I think this really stinks. And then you said, you just have to let her say that. And then she does know. And it doesn't stink, and it's good. And so, you know, if you can, if you can see that, if you have that behavior in yourself, and you can just kind of skip that part, you know, if you can just kind of fast forward the uh, the uh, pre-apology part. Sometimes I think I do think like sometimes what what would a, a man do in any given situation, and they don't they don't apologize. 
so much. I don't like free I'm John Rensenhouse, your host. Until next time, stay healthy and stay tuned.